Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father, once again we come before You and thank You for Your great mercies and long-suffering extended to us continually. We know that in us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. We know that the only righteousness that we have that you will accept is that that is found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look forward to the day when we shall be with you in glory. We know not how many years that we are to have on this earth. We've passed the age of a lot of folks and have not approached the years of some. There are people that live in pain each day. Many of us live with some pain, but relatively free. And when we were young, going about in our daily lives, many of us hardly knew what pain was. We were caught up in the things of the world and had no thought nor time for you. But you in sovereign mercy opened our blind eyes, gave us a new heart a new will, a new ability. And though it's not what we would desire that it would be, we know that we're not what we were. Now help us as we continue our study of Your Word in Jesus' name, Amen. We are still considering 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3 with regard to the false professors, excuse me, false prophets. And we've been looking at a few verses of Scripture. We stopped off this morning 
in Galatians chapter 1 where Paul talked about the Galatians that were uh, soon to take up another gospel which is not another. In other words, they were going to take a gospel that was different from the one that he was preaching because it sure wasn't the same that he was preaching. And he made it plain that if he, if someone else, or even if an angel come down from heaven and preach something different from what he preached, let him be accursed. Again, we see that a false prophet is identified by what he says. That is what he teaches. There's a couple of more verses here in uh, Galatians that we would like to bring to your attention. In verse 4 of chapter 2, Galatians 2.4, Paul said that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. In other words, here were men that professed to be fellow believers. False brethren. They weren't real brethren. They were false brethren. And they were, uh, they were trying to Get people to turn away from what Paul had preached. In other words, Paul said, I have preached to you Galatians. Others have preached to you, you Galatians. And there's people that have come around and they claim to be believers and fellow believers and fellow teachers and preachers, but they're false brethren. Why are they false brethren? Because they're not teaching the same thing that Paul was teaching. And then in the sixth chapter of Galatians, Paul addresses this again in verse 12. Galatians six twelve, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. In other words, here these people, they were wanting to avoid persecution. Now, it's not wrong to avoid persecution if you can do it in a lawful way. But you cannot avoid persecution by teaching and accepting a false gospel. You can't do that. You cannot do that. They want to make a fair show in the flesh. Alright, in... Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against ruler, the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in looking at some verse, other verses and this verse and things of that nature. We can't go around necessarily and Well, we, let me rephrase it. We have to be wise in the Scriptures when identifying spiritual wickedness in high places. This could be preachers. This could be world leaders. And it might even be uh, angelic creatures. And we don't want to be guilty of identifying every opposition necessarily to the devil. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes you will talk to somebody and they talk about being tempted to sin. And they attribute every shortcoming, every sin, and every disobedience to the temptation of the devil. Well, first of all, the devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not everywhere like God. And the devil directly cannot be fighting me and fighting you at the same time. He's limited. God's not limited. And yet at the same time, someone asked, uh, y'all don't uh, know him, but a preacher I knew years ago before he became a, a primitive Baptist, he was in... Uh, Southwestern Seminary, I believe it was, and under uh, Dr. Connor, the teacher, and Dr. Connor was lecturing on the devil, and the uh, brother Tally asked Dr. Connor, said, uh, "Is the devil omnipresent?" And Dr. Connor said, "No." And then brother Tally, being the uh, uh, the man that he was asked uh, his professor, 
He said, well, have you ever been where the devil was not? <laughs> so that's a good question. Though uh, Dr. Connor followed it up with something, I forgot the exact wording, but he said, no, everywhere you are, seems like he's there. <laughs> In other words, Brother Talley was always asking uh, difficult questions and things of that nature. But... Uh, I can't not say where the devil is not. And obviously, it's not always the devil that is uh, opposing us. It's just sometimes wicked angels that opposing us. But I'm persuaded that a lot of our opposition a lot of our temptations and a lot of our shortcomings and failures are just because of our own sinfulness. And what we sometimes charge the devil with a lot of things that he, he's, he's not even complicit in. Though uh, I'm quite sure that he's in total agreement Anytime we disobey God. But I cannot say how often, how much that a devil may be or the devil may be involved in something. Obviously, anything we do, if it's not of God, it is of the devil. We, if we're not worshiping God, we are worshiping the devil, according to First uh, Corinthians chapter ten. But there are other angelic creatures that are involved in opposing us. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. Well, I thought it was chapter 10. Just a moment. Sometimes, you know, you think you can find something right quick. I may have to give you the essence of it and come back and uh, give you the, the exact verses at another time.
Yes, it is Daniel chapter 10. I don't have time to uh, read all of this, or I won't take the time, but uh, in first verse here, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. So, the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, God revealed something to Daniel. That is a designated time in history. And Daniel, you go on down reading, you'll find that for three weeks, Daniel fasted and wanted to know what, what it was that God had revealed unto him. And then drop down to verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hand. In other words, Daniel was on his all fours. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Don't you know that was a, a comforting message? For an angel to come to you and say, Oh, put your name there. A man or woman greatly beloved. Now remember, Daniel had been fasting for three weeks. It says that in verses 2 and 3. Alright, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. Notice this angel came, and he didn't just give Daniel an impression. He spoke to him in words. See, that's how God speaks to us. In words. Even in dreams, it's usually in words. So anyway, uh, could be a sermon, two or three sermons, uh, stressing the importance of that statement. But let's go on. Uh, o Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. And he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words." In other words, 21, year, 21 days ago, Daniel, I started, I started to come to you to, to tell you what you wanted. But, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. In other words, there was an angel that was over the king of Persia. And this angel that was over the king of Persia 
didn't want Daniel to know what was going to happen to the nation of Persia. Let me tell you, let me say this, beloved. I believe the same kind of warfares are going on today with nations and angels. Our sovereign God, the wrath of man, Psalm uh, 76.10, the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder thou restraineth. In other words, whatever's happening is praising God somehow, and man would do worse, but God restrains him. But this, this angel, the prince of Persia, withstood this angel that was talking to Daniel. It's believed that this angel was Gabriel. In other words, this prince of Persia withstood Gabriel one in twenty days. In other words, these two angels have been fighting for 21 days. See, he withstood him. He was holding him back. You say, well, what, explain that to me. I've already told you all I know. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to, to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. In other words, uh, Mike, uh, uh, Gabriel, and I believe it is Gabriel, if you go back and do some other uh, studying, and so on. In other words, Gabriel, but it, let's say, just for argument's sake, uh, we don't know who it was. So this angel said, I started 21 days ago to answer your prayer. But this evil angel withstood me until Michael could come along and wrestle this other, this prince of Persia, that angel, so I could come down and tell you what's going to happen to your people in the latter days. Angelic warfare. Angelic warfare. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you fasted for 21 days in answer to a prayer, seeking an answer to a prayer. What about 10 days? What about two days? Or one day? Most time we just pray once and forget about it. Maybe once a day for two or three days, but we don't fast. Twenty one days. Three weeks. 
And God had already commissioned an angel to give Daniel the answer to prayer, but a wicked angel hindered him for 21 days. Without preaching more about that, that ought to say volumes to us about prayer. And you need to think about that in Daniel 10, as well as in other places in Scripture, when you read Ephesians 6.12 that we read, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against, uh, against uh, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Obviously, I, don't, I cannot tell you, nor do I believe you can, say, well, uh, there are some angels up there fighting on my behalf right now. I don't know that. I know it's possible from Daniel. And I believe it still carries on. I don't know whether uh, who all is engaged in that. Uh, God, God doesn't tell us that. We, we can't, you can't say, well, I know that the devil was hindering me and I know some angel was doing that with me and I know this and I... You don't know that. You may think it. You say, well, I know it. The only way you can know it is if it was written in God's Word about you. Otherwise, I don't know it. I know it was with Daniel. And I know it's possible. But that's all I can say. And that's all you can say. You don't know anything else. You may think you know it. And there's people that got their minds made up about some of this stuff and they don't have any more idea than, than a pig does. They just think they know because they believe their senses has the answer. They just know that God spoke to them. They don't know God spoke to them. Oh, I know God spoke to me. God said to me, you don't know that. You can't know that. It's one thing to say, well, I think the Lord may be this, that, or the other. But you don't know. The only reason, the only way you can know is if it's written in His Word. That's, that's the revelation of God. We don't have extra revelation outside of the Word of God. We walk by faith. 
of what God's Word says, not by sight. I have experienced things in my life that I just knew was of God. Well, I was wrong. I was wrong. You say, well, how do you know you was wrong? Because it didn't come to pass. You say, well, it might come to pass yet. No, it won't come to pass yet. Because the people would have to that would have to be in the picture for it to come to pass is not in the picture what am i still emphasizing with all of this going here and yonder and all these other verses the Word of God. You know the Word of God and you live by the Word of God. And when a preacher comes along preaching what he thinks he knows and what he feels and what he believes that's not in the Word of God, you don't have any right to, be, to, uh, to latch on to it. It's by the Word of God. We are to read the Scriptures and give the sense of what is said. When it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that means what it says. So, well, how did He do it? I don't know. And you don't know. And you cannot perform a scientific experiment to prove it. You just can't do it. But is it true? Yes, because God's Word is true. You say, well, prove that. I can't prove that to you. If God doesn't open your heart, you'll never believe it. There are some things, according to logic, would seem like that anybody with half sense would believe it. But I can't prove it. You just, you just, because if someone does not have a heart to see, or eyes to see, or ears to hear, or a heart to perceive, if God hasn't opened their heart, there's no fear of God before their eyes, and they don't understand the things of the Spirit of God. This sounds like begging the question, 
But there has to be a first cause of all cause to be without cause. In other words, there's, there's something that caused everything, but nothing caused that person. Excuse me. Nothing caused that thing. Something has to exist. Because nothing cannot create anything. But I can't prove that to anybody unless God opens their heart. They'll reject it. Romans 1 tells us that. Romans 1 says they uh, uh, there's there's a language I'm looking for that I can't quote. Uh, Oh, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. In other words, they refused. That's in Romans one twenty-eight. They refused. They would not retain God in their knowledge. I'm not going to accept your God. I'm not going to retain God. <coughs> let me let me be as clear as I can. It is the plain teaching of the word of God that we bow our thinking unto. And if there's something that we do not understand in the Word of God, we bow our pride and say, I don't know. We just have to confess our ignorance. You say, well, that's, that's just too simple. It may be simple, but I tell you, beloved, it's not easy to do because sinful man wants to think he has the answers. That's including me. (laughs) I like to think I know something, but all I know is what God's Word says. Philippians chapter 1 verse 15 Some indeed preach Christ 
even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Whatever the envy and strife is, there are some that preach Christ. Now notice, Paul didn't say they preach a false Christ. You remember Deuteronomy 13? If a prophet prophesy, and what they prophesy comes to pass. In other words, what they say is true. But, they also say, let's go after other gods. Then you realize that they're false prophets. Some preach Christ of envy and strife. The one, verse 16, preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. I think did you catch that? I think what might be under consideration here is that they say something like, you know what Paul believed? Paul believed that God elected some before the world began and left the rest uh, and, and left the rest to themselves. In other words, they're saying the truth of what Paul preached. But they're saying it in such a way to get other people to hate Paul for preaching that. I think that might be a possibility. But I can't say for sure. I just know what it says. It preach, they preach Christ out of envy and strife. I've had people very, very close to me that hate the God of the Bible and hate the God that I preach and hate the God that I serve because I believe that God elected some and not others. And they think it's horrible that I would believe such a thing. And they at one time professed to believe this. Was even a member of the congregation of God. But now, totally, totally despise the God of the Bible. And have told me how horrible and how bad that it is that I would even preach such a thing. And I could see them saying to anybody that they wanted to talk to about me. To say it in such a way that try to make me look bad.
I've had people that have read some of my writings to go around and spreading rumors that I didn't believe what I wrote. And when I confronted them with that, I'm talking about preachers, when I confronted them of doing that, they still accused me of believing what I said I don't believe. Well, you can't, you can't talk to anybody like that. You just have to leave them with the Lord. That's all you can do. But there are people, as Paul said, preach Christ of envy and strife, out of contention, not sincerely, Supposing to add affliction to the bonds of gospel ministers. And then in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Paul said, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You know what that's saying? The things of the earth is their authority. Not the Word of God. They mind earthly things. Their God is a God of their rationale or their logic or their idea or the ideas and the opinions of the world. Whatever is popular. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their belly is their God. Whose glory is in their shame. And they mind their mindset the earth and the, the philosophy of the world and the so-called science of the world is their authority. They would take evolution over the Word of God. They would take abortion over the Word of God. They would take chaos, destruction, thievery, murder, incest, all kinds of sexual sins, 
over the Word of God. They mind earthly things. So we can see that this, where it says, try the spirits. This spirit is a teacher or one who professes to be a prophet. And we have looked at a few a few passages that talks about prophets. Some of them might have been good. Most of them were bad. But it sets the stage of what a spirit is. Try the spirits. You can't put uh, a spirit in a test tube. And obviously, John is talking about false prophets because he says in the same verse, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. False prophet. False prophet. We're going to... We're going to nail down some more verses. But I'm going to stop here because uh, that's the end of this one point of my outline. In fact, this one point of my outline has been from last Lord's Day afternoon and this morning and this afternoon. So we're not making very fast. <laughs> we're not going very fast through this. But like I said, I, I intend to take it slow. You're supposed to know. And you people out there that hear this message, you're supposed to know a true prophet from a false prophet, a true minister from a false minister, and the only way you're going to know it is not by what you think and not by what you feel and not by what you want, but according to what the Word of God says. Is He teaching the truth of the Scriptures? Not just two or three scriptures taken out of context, but the whole Word of God from Genesis 1 1 to Revelation 22 21. Know it all. You say, well, no man knows everything. That's true. But you know a whole lot more if you'll read the Bible every day and just read it straight through. When you get through, turn around, read it again, read it again, read it again, read it again. And I guarantee you, you won't run out of things to learn. I've been doing it for over 50 years. 
and I certainly haven't run out of things to learn. In fact, it seems like the more I study, the less I know. That's just how profound to me the, the Word of God is. But anyway, regardless, I'm not the authority. God is the authority. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we have a concrete absolute standard. Open our understanding, we ask, that we may contend for the faith with the truth and the right spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.